In this passage, uh, we don't know uh, this man's name. We don't know his son's name. But we do see here a spiritual father, uh, a good father. And uh, I believe I share with every dad in the room that we want to be a good father. And uh, we want to be what God wants us to be. And uh, the world that we live in today needs more spiritual fathers. Our country is destitute for men to be biblical fathers, to lead their homes, to help their wife, to protect their family, to provide for their family. Those are all biblical roles for a father. Um, Our God in heaven chose the title to be our heavenly father. Because that relationship, a father with his children, should mean something. It should be a special relationship, a precious relationship. That's why God chose that title, because God wants to be that for every one of us. And our country today needs biblical fathers. Our churches today need biblical fathers. Our community needs more biblical fathers. And we're going to see one in our text. And in Luke chapter number 9, look at verse number 37 with me, if you would, in Luke chapter number 9. And we're going to look real quick this morning at three different accounts of the same story in order to draw from this man's life what I believe is a good example of a spiritual father. In Luke chapter 9, verse number 37, it says, And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son. For he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again. Bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. They were all amazed at the mighty power of God. Here's this man, we don't know his name, but his son was hurting. His son was possessed by this unclean spirit, this demonic activity. And this father wanted to see his son get help, get healed. And he had a heart for his son and a burden for his son. And what he did was brought his son to the Lord. My dad took me to a lot of places. He took me to baseball games. Uh, Last time me and him went to a Reds game, this guy was coming up the aisle and he was carrying this big old box that said drumsticks. My dad looked at me, poked me in the side. He goes, I would love a chicken leg. He said, I'm getting one of them chicken legs. I was like, Dad, that's an ice cream cone. He's like, what? <laughs> and I told him what it was. He goes, well, I'll take two of those. All right? and, uh, but uh, he took me places uh, literally across the world. But the greatest place he ever took me was the night he took me to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater thing you can do, dads. Bring your children to the Lord. 
The same passage of Scripture, I want us to read it. Stop at Mark chapter number 9. We're going to go back and then we'll eventually be in Matthew here. But in Mark 9, and we'll come back to these three passages, but in Mark chapter 9, verse number 14. Mark 9 and verse number 14. Just a few more things we're going to glean from this. But in Mark 9, verse 14, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples when they should cast him out, they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, and so much that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him, Why could not we cast him out? One more passage of scripture in Matthew in chapter 17. Then we'll talk about this man. Matthew 17. Same story, starting in verse number 14. Matthew 17 and verse number 14. It says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, Why could not we cast him out? Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, uh, in this Father's Day, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us all for a moment to be still, to see your word, and to speak to us today. Lord, as we look at a good example of a spiritual father. Father, I pray that, Lord, there's always emotions on these days, and I pray that you comfort and cheer and encourage each and every one that is hurting today. I pray that you would strengthen. Lord, help us 
as fathers in this room, grandfathers, that, Lord, we would understand our role, what you call us and want us to do. Father, if there be anyone here today that has never come to you, I pray they would today. Lord, now we love you, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to see a couple things real quick about, we read the three different passages about this this man, and uh, I got, don't panic, all right, they're all really, really just quick, just notes, but there's 11 points, isn't that awesome? All right, all right it won't be long, all right? Number one, but I encourage you to write them down, all right? Make sure you get them all. Number one, I want you to know that in every passage, that number one, this man is a certain man. Verse number 14, when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man. The other passage is one out of the multitude. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him. He was just a certain man. But to me, that's really important because he's just one of us. He had no special superpowers. He had no, you know, corner of the market on spiritual things. And he wasn't a spiritual giant. Uh, We have no idea what home he came from. We just know this about him, that he was a man who loved his family. He was a man who was burdened for his son. He was a man that knew that the only thing that can help my family and my home is the Lord. He's just a certain man. So he's every one of us, men. There's nothing special about him. He had no special training. He didn't go sit at the feet of Gamaliel. He didn't, wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't. He was just a certain man. One out of the multitude. So anything that we see today takes nothing special. It just takes a right heart. He was a certain man. Number two, he was a chaste man. Verse number 14, and I like this in this passage, which is different than the other passages. It says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. This man was chaste. He was humble. This man came to the Lord, and the first thing that we know that he did, and we know all the other passages, everything that he said, but the first thing that's noted here that he did was he kneeled down before the Lord. He bowed the knee. We need a simple message today, but we need more than ever fathers who know what it is to bow their knee. We live in a very prideful civilization. We live in a culture today where men are either babies they don't take responsibility. They don't want to make lead their home. They just want to play games. Or some macho man who thinks that there's something special and tries to be something to prove himself all the time. Can I tell you, men, one of the greatest things you can do is humble yourself before a great God and bow on your knee as this man did and say Lord I need you our sons desperately need fathers who know what it is to bow the knee before God
our daughters desperately need men of God who may see get on their knees talk to God many many times and I'm very thankful for it at home dad was here over in his office over there here in this auditorium many times he'd say let's just go pray and we'd come and kneel down right here and it wasn't easy for my dad at that time to get on his knees <laughs> and I usually had to help him get up but he thought it important to bow the knee and I want to encourage men that we might be an example for our family that we have some kneeling dads in this auditorium who will humble themselves you notice the words in the three passages that he said when he knelt he said Lord or he said in one master but what, what he was doing was this he was humbling himself and recognizing that God is in charge and he was yielding to that authority that's one of the reasons why God did something wonderful here because he was a chaste man who knew what it was to bow the knee and to humble himself he was a certain man he was a chaste man number three he was a calling man verse number 15 Lord have mercy on my son the devil was working havoc on this child the Bible says in all these passages that we read that the boy was sore vexed. This demonic spirit was literally torturing this young man. And what happened as we just read there were times whenever they would be walking and there would be a, a fire, a campfire or some sort of burning trash or whatever. And the spirit would want this and, and, and tell this, this man to throw himself into this fire and how many times dad had to reach down there and grab the boy holding back pulling back or diving after there who knows the scars that this dad may have had reaching in there grabbing his son pulling him out because oftentimes he threw himself into the fire oftentimes they'd be walking by the river or the sea or whatever it was and all of a sudden, the boy would just take off from this demonic activity and try to throw himself into this water and drown himself. And dad would run and dive and grab that child or hold on to that boy's arm and say no and probably hold him and embrace him until this episode was over. That the child be not hurt. His father would wake up at times and see his son cutting himself hurting himself what's described in this passage of scripture is kind of like how best I can probably give us a picture of it is like a, a really bad seizure as he would foam and be bruised gnashing his teeth pining this attempts to hurt themselves hurt others and seizures and things the devil was having a heyday in this young man's life but I want you to notice something that the father didn't say I deserve better than this the father didn't go to the Lord and say you owe me the father didn't go up to the Lord and say why did you let this happen to my son but a father went to the Lord and he said these words 
have mercy on us. Like Job, this man went to the Lord and prayed for his children. God, be merciful to them. And crying out for mercy, this man was recognizing his own sinful state. He was recognizing that he was imperfect. When we cry out for mercy, it's because we know we're guilty. We know it's, it's beyond us. And this man was crying out to the Lord and saying, please have mercy on us. Listen, dads, we need to... This man was nothing special. It represents every one of us. We need to kneel before the Lord daily. We need to call upon the Lord more. And we don't need to go to the Lord and say, why did you let this happen? Why is this going on? Why did this? You owe me this. You need to change this. It would do us all good as every father in this room to get on our face today and say, Lord, have mercy on us. Because we need him. It was a calling man. Go over to Mark now as we make our way back. In Mark chapter number 9, we see the fourth thing that I draw from this man's life. Mark chapter number 9, and we're going to jump in on verse number 17. Mark 9 and verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son. The fourth thing I wrote down is this, that he was a carrying man. He brought his son to him. Now I'll probably repeat this point in a second, but when, remember when the Lord said, how long has this been going on? And the man's answer was what? Since he was a child. Which kind of infers that he's not a little boy anymore. And by what we read, it happens when he's being brought to the Lord. The boy was being tormented and torn and convulsed. And he literally tried to, 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 to hurt himself. And, and I can imagine that morning, dad told the family he's going to take the boy to see Jesus. That demonic spirit wouldn't want to go. A demonic spirit as he did what we read. We read it. I'm not making this up. When he was being brought to the Lord, the, the, that devil tore him. That devil fought him. That devil made him fall to the ground and push away and begin to convulse and foam at the mouth and seize. It's a hideous thought, but that's what happened. That demonic spirit didn't want his, that father to take him to Jesus. And I don't know how far they had to travel. But I guarantee by the time that that father brought him and got him to Jesus, he was tired. He's probably bruised. Trying to hold that boy from hurting himself or anyone else. And I don't know how he brought him, but he brought him to Jesus. He was willing to carry his son and get him there and endure whatever he had to go through because he knew that child needed the Lord. Whatever sacrifice he had to make, whatever cost, whatever hurt he had to endure. But he just wanted a son to get to Jesus. 
We struggle as dads sometimes. We send our kids to church, but we don't come. That's not what happened here. Well, I'd, I'd have to sacrifice. I think it's worth it. It may cost me, but I think it's worth it. It's not easy. I think it's worth it. This father didn't care how it hurt him, how it bruised him. I, I have no idea what all happened, but it wouldn't have been an easy trip. Because we even read that as he closer he got to the Lord, the more this child kicked and foamed and gnashed his teeth and cried out. Literally, the spirit tore him. I don't know if it's pulling his own hair or, or grabbing or, and then ripping or, or whatever it was. The father just held on. Man I, man, I hope you can visualize this. He just held on. Boy, push it and kick it, but he held on. Why, Dad? I need you to meet the Lord. I don't want to, but you need to. that kid would have fought and kicked and screamed and hollered and pinched and pulled and... but dad said we're going we need more dads like that who will carry the burden for their son who will carry the burden for their daughter who will carry the burden for their family no matter what it costs whatever sacrifice we have to make and however it may, may hurt and take away from it don't matter I want my family to know the Lord He's a carrying man. Number five, it sounds a lot the same. I get the difference. He was a caring man. A caring man. At the end of verse number 17, 17 it says, With hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So what do you mean a caring man? This man had watched this and watched what this devil did to his son and it was breaking his heart. He watched what his son was going through. In every passage of scripture, we get more details as the father speaks up and says and shares what all this devil had done to his son. It broke him. It hurt him. He was so burdened for him and he, 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 he didn't just say, well, let's just ship him off. He didn't say, well, let's just, let's just you know, keep him in a room. Well, let's hide him. No, he said, I want to get him help. I want him to find deliverance. And as he watched these things, he was, he was touched by his, his son's infirmities. He was burdened by these things and he said, I'll do anything it takes because I love him. Dad, if you say, I can't be this guy, well, you're wrong because it's just a certain man. I don't like bowing my knees. Humble yourself because you need him. <laughs> Call on him today. Lord, have mercy on my family. Help us. Carry the burden and care. There's so many people. It, we saw an atrocity this week in Claremont County. On national news. 
not going into detail, but Father did things that I, I don't I don't understand. That's unnatural affection. It's wickedness. But that's where we are. Dads are they don't care. They care for themselves. As long as I'm happy, as long as I get what I want, as long as I get, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Got my golf game, I got my fishing, I got my, my hobbies, I got my cars, I got my whatever it is. Leave me alone. Never have time for the kids, never want to talk to the kids, never want to do anything with their children. We need dads who care. Number six, he was a collapsing man. I say that because he was warned from this. Verse 21, And he, Jesus, asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? Anytime Jesus asks questions, he already knows the answers. But anytime he ever asks his questions because he's trying to teach something to the person he's asking. Just good hermeneutics, right? So when he asked the father, he said, How long is it ago since this came to him? The father's response was, Of a child. Then that word in verse 22, and oft times over and over and over Lord it's been years Lord I don't know how long but if it started as a child he's a little bit older obviously now maybe a young man teenager since he was a child and Lord over and over again trying to pull him out of a fire over and over again I'm holding him from jumping into the water over and over again I'm just holding him and hugging him as he's convulsing and going through these episodes it had been a, it had been a while and I don't care who you are this morning you get tired And the Lord was asking him, how long has it been since he was a child? And Lord, over this and this and this and this. But I want you to get something. He had to be tired. We're all human. We get that. I mean, there's been times when our children were sick. Nothing near something like this. But my daughter would have surgery or they had the flu or whatever it was and as kids all get sick and the more serious things when you're going to the doctor and you're talking to surgeons you would do anything to take their place anything that went through whether when my son broke his wrist when Grace had to have surgery and with any of them I would have gladly said give me the sickness let them be okay and sitting in the hospital, I'm just telling you, most of you know this. Sitting in a hospital waiting as your loved one's being treated is one of the most exhausting things that you'll ever experience. 
And for years, they couldn't let the boy out of the sight. For years, they'd hear in the middle of the night crying out and they had to run into the room and hold him and help him. For years, that would have worn on him. But men, he didn't give up. He had to be tired. He had to be worn. I'm going to go out on a limb and say his hair wasn't perfect that day. The shirt was probably untucked. One shoe was probably untied. But he just had to get his son help. It had probably been a long night. It had been a long few years. But he wasn't going to give up. And men, don't give up. Don't quit being the dad. Don't quit being the husband that God wants you to be. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on church. Don't quit on your devotions. Don't quit on your walk with God. Don't quit on your prayer. Don't quit. It's hard. It is. But they're worth it. He's a collapsing man, number seven. He was a compassionate man. Verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out. It means he lifted up his voice. But also, he said with tears. Not only did he lift his voice up, but men, he wept. I'm a man, I don't cry. Every spiritual man you read in the Bible wept. And your kids that may be straying from the Lord, they're worth kneeling down today and say, God, have mercy. And weep for them. Cry out to God for them. Be determined, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on going. So I'm just not a crying type. Well, you need to change your type. Jesus wept. This man wept because he was loved and the burden was so great and the, the fear was so great of what would happen. The love that he had was so great. The hurt was so great. The desire that he had. God, please have mercy on us. He was a compassionate man as he wept. And then number eight, he was a convinced man. Verse 24, after he cried out with these tears, this is what he said, Lord, I believe. He had faith. It's pretty obvious that's why he was there. He had faith. He knew people failed. I'd venture to say, he doesn't say it, but I'd venture to say he tried doctors. He even went to the disciples first. But he didn't give up, did he? He went to the Lord. And he said, Lord, I do believe. He said, but then he said, help thou my unbelief. We all would. Because the Lord said, if you believe, 
all things are possible. And he said, I do believe. And help my unbelief. That wasn't saying he didn't believe in the Lord. That's why he was there. Of course he believed in him. But he probably had fears just like we do. What if? What if this doesn't work? What if this boy isn't healed? What if for us? What if they never come back to God? What if they never get saved? What if? And these what ifs begin to run through our mind. And we got to set those aside. Lord, help our unbelief. Because I do believe in you. I know you can. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you briefly. I take a time out from this little sermon about fathers. Your heavenly Father loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die for your sins. He's the only one who could die for our sins because there is none righteous, no, not one. Every human being that's ever been on this earth, we share one thing, we're all sinners. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. And I can't die for you and you can't die for me because we're all sinners. But there's only been one person who's ever walked on this earth who is not a sinner. He is perfection. He is holy. He is righteous. He is the Son of God. He is Jesus. And He went to the cross and He died for our sins being the only one that's ever been on this earth who was able to die for our sins. And on that cross, He paid the penalty. The wages of our sin is death. He paid the penalty for our sins. And He went to a grave. He died for our sins. But He arose from the grave because He conquered death. He conquered sin. And now you and I can have the gift of eternal life. But it is only through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what do I need to do? Believe. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. I believe Christ died for my sins and I believe that he rose again and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and my friend whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved God will save your soul today this man cried out I do believe help my unbelief and the Lord then answered that prayer go over to Luke and we'll wrap this up back where we started Luke chapter 9, just a few more things about this man that we want to draw from. Luke chapter 9. Again, the spiritual father was just a certain man. He was a chaste man. He was a calling man. He was a caring man. A carry, car, uh, caring man. A carrying man. A collapse, collapsing man. A compassionate man. He was a convinced man. In Luke chapter 9 and verse number 38, he was a concerned man. Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, and I love this, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. He loved this boy. He's my only son. I venture to say that the heart of the Lord was tugged when he said, this is my only son. The Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son. This is my only Son. But I love what He said. He said, Look 
upon my son. Look upon him. All he asked the Lord to do was to look at him. Isn't that awesome? Look on him. Because as the Lord is there and, and his voice said, please, or his man said, please look at my son, he knew that if the Lord just looked at his son, he would see the hurt. He'd see the influence this demonic spirit had had. He'd see the scars. He'd see the burns. He'd see that look in his eye, that lost look in his eye. He'd see a young man that had been torn and hurt and used and abused. He said, Lord, if you just look. Because he knew that not only was he concerned, but he knew the Lord was concerned as well. He loved his son, and he knew that all he needed was the Lord's passion and the Lord's power and his son could be healed. He was a concerned man and he was a compliant man. Verse 41. Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Talking to all these people that couldn't do anything. But then he said this at the end of verse number 41. Bring thy son hither. Verse 42. And as he was yet coming, the Lord said, Bring your son to me. And this is simple. He did. Right. Yeah. right? Amen. Yeah. The Lord taught him to do something. And he did it. Amen. He didn't question it. He didn't give an alternate. Yes, sir. We need spiritual fathers. Who are all these things that I went through. But a spiritual father will say, if that's what the book says. If that's what the word of God is. That's what I'll do. Amen. Amen. We wonder why, you know, well, I'm praying. God just isn't working. I don't understand why God's not doing this. When we, we, we lay out a church. I don't understand what's going on with my family. When, when we lie and, and we deceive and we involve ourselves in sin and we have anger, we have sin problems, we have pornography, we have all these things and we wonder, well, I am praying for my son. I come to church on Sunday morning. What more does God want? Obey him. If you don't do it his way, you can't expect the blessings. If the man said, actually, Lord, can you come here? It's been a long trip. He would never do that. No, he wouldn't. But that's why his son got healed that day. Because he was willing to say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you say, that's what I will do. It's a simple point, but it's powerful. He was a compliant man. And lastly, number 11, he was a, praise the Lord for this, he was a cheerful man. Verse number 42 as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down. This boy, tear him. It would have been hard to watch. I can imagine. It's like the devil gave one last punch. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. And, and it's awesome. Oh man, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Right? And, can you imagine?
Father is just a certain man. He's any of us. But Lord, help us, Lord, this morning. And we do us all good. Every father in this room good today to bow the knee, God. And we just want to be one of them. 